Ristolainen still with it. Yeah, he got it across ice. Back to Ristolainen. Off the Hi, hello. Welcome to A Can't Get Any Worse, America's worst podcast for America's worst hockey team. I'm your host, Jay, and today we're going to dive into our Sabres season preview, where we'll discuss the current malaise of the organization, an exciting offseason that promises, at the very least, another false dawn in the history of the franchise's desperate attempt to climb back into relevance, and what the Buffalo Sabres, America's worst hockey team, can do to build their way back from the bottom. So if you enjoy today's show, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe via your iTunes podcast app and possibly drop us a five-star review. We'd love it if you'd find us on Twitter at ICGAW, that's I-C-G-A-W, it can't get any worse. Tweet us your questions to discuss on the pod, we'd love to get you involved in the show. If you'd prefer to email us, you can drop us a line at ICGAWPOD, I-C-G-A-W-P-O-D, at gmail.com. Let's get to the show. And it appears that we are looking at another year of perennial hope for our perennially suffering team. And perhaps many of you are probably like myself. I spend all of the summer longing for the Sabres to return to the ice. And around January, such as the suffering of our fandom, I really can't wait for them to finally be off it. Forcing myself to love this team through the final third of a campaign and desperately longing for an end to the misery found in the end of a season is just par for the course for this fandom. In fact, it might be a good time to chat about the name of this podcast, It Can't Get Any Worse. And I find that kind of giggle-worthy in that that's what I said last season. And maybe some of you were just like me. I think many of us genuinely believe that that would be the case. New GM, new coach, We were compelled to believe that Dan Byelsma was the problem, that the culture created by Tim Murray's rampant burning of assets and that weird thing where his eyes get bigger in his glasses was the problem. And we probably allowed ourselves to believe that a minor shakeup bringing in Scandella and Pominville would fix all of that and that we would have a better team last season. Now, definitely very few of us, if any of us, thought we were headed to the playoffs last season, but I think few of us imagined that things would actually get worse. And yet, here we are, bottom of the league, finishing 31st out of 31 teams. In fact, thanks to our new addition of the Vegas Golden Knights, welcome to the league and congrats on a great season, by the way, the Buffalo Sabres are the first NHL team to finish 31st. Congratulations, everyone. We did it. So today we're going to take a look at a rather exciting off-season for our Buffalo Sabres, examine the ins and outs of players and personnel, and make some season predictions for the upcoming year. But the first thing we need to do is take a look at last year and just talk about some brief numbers from last year's abysmal season. Uh, The Sabres finished 25, 45, and 12, amounting 62 points, which left them bottom of the division, bottom of the league, and bottom in goals scored. And so to start off, let's take a look at some of the bodies from that abysmal season who will not be here next year. 
Topping off our list is Victor Antipin, who generated a lot of excitement last year when he was signed on a one-year RFA deal out of the KHL. For whatever reason, a lot of Sabres fans seem to think he would be a pretty dynamic, puck-moving defenseman. Unfortunately, he never really took off off the ground. Um, I think he really struggled to acclimate to the smaller ice. He was not tendered a qualifying offer. He signed with, excuse my French on this one, Metallurg Magnitgorsk. Mag, Magnitogorsk, Magnitogorsk in the KHL. Um, I should probably know how to say that, but I don't. I sincerely apologize. He won't be here next year. Seth Griffith is also joining the list. Um, he has signed a one-year deal with Winnipeg. Won't be missed too much at the Sabres level. He was pretty good for the Rochester Americans for a large parts of last season. We'll talk about him more in the Amrick season pod. Not too much to miss on the Sabres front. In one of the more notable storylines of the offseason, Robin Leonard was not tendered a qualifying offer, and he has since signed a one-year deal with the New York Islanders. Um, This, at the time, was pretty significant news, just in that it is just the signaling of a moving on from a period. It's one of Tim Murray's, significant purchases of his season, trading a first-round pick to pick up Robin Lehner. He had some battles with injury, had some battles with some controversy, seemed to be an issue within the locker room. Overall, I think Sabres fans will be mostly pleased to see him go. It was... I hate to label him as the face of a difficult time period, but he was definitely one of the faces of the most difficult aspect of these last couple of seasons. I think it's a good thing that he is moving on. I wish him well. I hope he hits the ground running over there and can earn himself back into the just the higher graces he we we maybe hoped he was gonna reach with the Buffalo Sabres. I hope he can reach that standard again. I don't dislike him. I'm just glad I don't have to cheer for him anymore. Um, Other names who won't be joining us in the future, Justin Falk is currently unsigned as of August 8th. I do not anticipate that changing from a Buffalo Sabres standpoint unless it's just on an Amrix deal. Even then, I'm not so sure that there's room for him there. Same deal with Josh Georges. Um, He's unsigned as of the recording of this podcast. He might be retiring. In general, there just isn't room for subpar left-handed defensemen in this organization. If they either of them were right-handed, we might be talking about something else, but we are loaded on the left-handed front, and I don't think there's room for either of these guys in the organization. Josh Georges has not officially announced his retirement as of yet, but given his emotion at the end of last season, it seems to be that he was thinking that this is going to be it for him in the National Hockey League. We'll see how that plays out. Um, Jacob Josephson signed a four-year deal with, and now please excuse my French again, Jorgarden in the Swedish Hockey League. Um, wish him well. Chad Johnson signed a one-year deal at St. Louis possibly to replace Carter Hutton, who is coming the other way, which we'll talk about in a second. He's joined in St. Louis by Jordan Nolan, and thank goodness we don't have to cheer for him again. And finally, rounding out just the major departures of the season, Benoit Pouliot is currently not signed as of recording. And 
if the Sabres hadn't made some of the other moves that they made this season that we'll talk about in a minute, I wouldn't mind if Benoit Pouliot came back this season. He scored 13 goals, had six assists last year. If he's your fourth-line guy and he puts up those numbers, I'm not necessarily ready to show him the door immediately. Now, put an asterisk next to that. He spent some time playing with Eichel, spent some time playing with O'Reilly. He probably won't repeat those numbers if he plays with lesser players. But, I mean, if you get 13 goals out of a fourth-line winger, I'm not kicking him out. Um, But, as we said, not a lot of room for him as of this point, so I don't see him returning to the Sabres either. Two big items departing. Obviously, we're going to talk about Ryan O'Reilly traded to St. Louis, and technically, I guess, departing is Evander Kane, although that doesn't necessarily qualify as an off-season departure. Um, being traded at the deadline to San Jose. We'll be sure to chat about that later in the episode. And then shifting to our incoming players, I'm just going to list them out very quickly, and then we'll talk about some major talking points as we go on. Um, Carter Hutton signed as a free agent, 2.75 over three years. Looks to be our possible starting goaltender for the next few seasons as Linus Allmark is phased in. Talking about that later. Scott Wedgwood was signed as a free agent on a one-year deal, 700000 He seems like more of a Rochester American signing this year. He's going to be the number three in the organization. We'll see what happens with him. Vladimir Sabodka, Patrick Berglund, and Tage Thompson coming in on the O'Reilly trade. Connor Sheary and Matt Hunwick traded for a conditional fourth-round pick. Jeff Skinner coming in for Cliff Poo and a bag of picks. And finally, probably the only player from the most recent NHL draft who we are going to see at the Buffalo Sabres is Rasmus Dahlin. Of course, we will talk about him later in the episode. Now, there are other additions who will probably factor into the Sabres at some point. Some of these guys from the SHL, like Rasmus Asplund or Victor Olofsson or Lawrence Pilot. Those guys probably have a small part to play this season, but I'm just going to talk about the major additions for right now. We'll get to some of those guys with some of the question marks we talk about later in the episode. So let's talk about some of the major talking points from this season. And the first place we need to start is trading Ryan O'Reilly to the St. Louis Blues. For Tage Thompson, Vladimir Sabodka, Patrick Berglund, 2019 first round pick and a 2021 second round pick and this move itself was polarizing because while possibly not that elite center you're looking for in a team ryan o'reilly is an exceptional second line center he's a monster in the face-off circle his vision is fantastic his work ethic is fantastic he is touted as this leader in the locker room and he would make almost every team in the league better. I mean, if you think about it, who doesn't have room for Ryan O'Reilly in their team? Toronto. I think that's it. Other than Toronto, I don't think there's a single team in the league who wouldn't take Ryan O'Reilly right now if they were offered the chance to get at him. So it's a difficult time when you have to move on from that player, especially with some of the polarizing items coming back in. A lot of Sabres fans have talked about how they wanted more from this move, 
Um, mainly they wanted that blue chip prospect coming back the other way. And Tage Thompson wasn't considered to be the grade a lot of fans were looking for. But moving Ryan O'Reilly was still the right move for a few reasons. Number one, he didn't want to be here. And he finished last season making comments like how he had fallen out of love with the game and how he felt that Buffalo was used to or even possibly okay with losing. He was an unhappy player who, at least from an outside perspective, appeared to be affecting the culture of the locker room. Remember, he was supposed to be touted as this leader who was going to be the face of turning this around. If he is publicly saying those kinds of things, you really need to be worried about what his body language and what his demeanor is like within the locker room. His contract also wasn't the greatest. It's not the worst, but 7.5 a year is a lot to play, a lot to play, a lot to pay for a player who doesn't seem to be in your plans. It's not a contract that was going to take him into his dinosaur years, but you can use in the modern cap structure $7.5 million a lot better than you can on a player who doesn't want to be in your team. And the last reason why it was a good move is I do think that the deal that the Sabres got in return, while arguable, is a good one. And the first reason is that the bottom six is immediately better with the additions of Sabatka and Berglund. Secondary scoring issues have plagued the Sabres for the last few seasons. Berglund scored 17 goals last season, which I think is a really under-discussed aspect of this trade. Sabatka scored 11. And for comparison, Girgensen scored seven and Johan Larson scored four. So these guys coming in could complement the returning parts or the better returning parts of last year's bottom six, like Evan Rodriguez and Scott Wilson. And if they can push one of Girgensen's or Larson to either be better or be out of the team, that's a win in this regard. Second reason I'm okay with this deal is that Tage Thompson is not the prospect we dreamed of, like a Jordan Cairo or a Robert Thomas, but he's still a decent prospect. There is a good NHL player in there somewhere, but Tage Thompson said it himself when he came over. He didn't get a chance at St. Louis. He was playing fourth-line minutes most of the time. They never really gave him a chance. I am really excited to see what he can do with the Sabres this year, what he can do with the Americans this year. I think Tage Thompson could turn out to be a lot better than a lot of people have talked about. He's a big, pretty good skater, decent shooter. He could have a lot to offer. Something else that's not the biggest deal in the world, but something that's just a general positive, is that if Alex Nylander's actually going to be a bust, the Sabres have sort of gotten back into the first round of the 2016 draft class. Again, not the biggest deal in the world, but it's nice to have a prospect that age if they suddenly decide they need to cut loose Alex Nylander. We'll talk about him more in a second. Third reason the trade's okay, you've cut down on the cap hit on Ryan O'Reilly and you've significantly shortened the term. Berglund and Sabatka, I believe Sabatka's on two more years and Berglund's on four more years. That Berglund contract might turn out to hurt a little bit later in the game, but we're out of both of those contracts within four years as opposed to holding on to Ryan O'Reilly for the next, I believe, five. Um, Final reason, we have a third first rounder in the 2019 draft to go with the Evander Kane pick. 
Both are protected under certain circumstances, but the Sharks and the Blues are most likely undoubtedly playoff teams this year anyway. Three first-round picks going into a draft is going to be an excellent weapon. What they decide to do with those picks, there's a lot of options, but that's a great aspect to have for a team that's looking to go forward. Overall, the deal could be a little better, but it's not the worst. There are a lot of positives out of it to look forward to this season. I'm okay with it, and to Ryan O'Reilly, I say, good luck to you, man. I loved watching you play in Buffalo. I know you're a listener to this show, by the way, which is why I'm telling you this. I loved watching you play in Buffalo. I wish you all the luck and happiness. Go win a cup, my man. You deserve it. Godspeed. The next major aspect of the offseason to talk about is the acquisition of Connor Sheary, and the Sabres were tricky on this one in that they really used their cap space as a weapon to improve their top six. Um, this trade was a conditional fourth round pick for Connor Sheary and Matt Hunwick. The Sabres immediately improve their top six while also taking in a defender. The reason the Penguins took this deal is that they needed to get rid of mainly Matt Hunwick's contract, but also Connor Sheary so that they could shore up some money to go and sign another defenseman. They went on to sign Jack Johnson, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with, but that's neither here nor there. This could be. It is. You know what? Never mind. Forget could be. This is already an incredible deal for the Sabres. Sherry had a down year, but he's benefited with playing with some elite playmaking centers in the past. He could be a great left wing for Jack or Casey, depending on where you want to get Jeff Skinner, where who we'll talk about in a second, it could be such a steal for the Sabres that it's almost ridiculous. A conditional fourth round pick for a player who immediately goes in and improves your top six. Also, Matt Hunwick is not nobody. Connor Sherry scored 20 goals before, and he was a major piece of a Stanley Cup winning team. He adds speed to your top six. He possibly adds goals to your top six. He creates space for goal-scoring centers like Jack Eichel. This could be a great deal. I believe the condition in the conditional fourth-round pick is that if Sherry scores 20 goals or if Hunwick is traded before the trade deadline this year, the fourth-round pick becomes a third-round pick. I believe. I'll have to look that up. I'll double check. And quick check of cap friendly. Looking for the Penguins cap friendly because it's their pick now. And the fourth round pick obtained on June 27th, 2018. Conditions. If Sherry scores 20 goals or totals 40 points. Or if Hunwick is traded before the 2019 draft. Not the deadline. My apologies. Pittsburgh upgrades to a 2019 third round pick. So I was mostly right. But regardless, this is still a steal for the Sabres. Um, It's a great move. They had the cap space. They took advantage of a team who needed more cap space. Excellent move. And then the surprise of the offseason. I think everyone knew that Ryan O'Reilly was getting moved. I think Everyone knew the Sabres were going to try to get 
an upgrade for their top six, particularly on the wing. They did that with adding Connor Sherry. And then beginning of August, in just the middle of the offseason where major moves are rarely made, suddenly the Sabres acquired Jeff Skinner for peanuts. Now, peanuts defined as trading Cliff Poo, a 2019 second round pick, a 2020 third and sixth round pick. Now, Cliff Poo is a decent prospect. He's maybe punching above his weight as a third round pick. He's doing really well in the OHL, and he might be an NHL player in a few years. Maybe. I was pretty excited to see what Cliff Pooh could do in Rochester this season. Um, He seems like he's on the up, but he is a decent prospect at best. Carolina traded one of their best players in a proven NHL goal scorer for four maybes. A second round pick, a third round pick, and a sixth round pick are all maybes. There is zero guarantee that those pan out. In fact, Cliff Poo, a decent prospect, there's zero, zero guarantee that he pans out. This trade is so good for the Sabres. In June, I originally thought that Skinner would be a piece of a roar trade that would almost close to one to one, maybe like Skinner and spare parts or a prospect. That's how good this guy is. He's a proven NHL goal scorer. He's going to bring speed. He's going to bring goals. He's had several 30-goal seasons and fairly consistently at least scores 20-plus. One of the strengths that he immediately addresses is his even-strength scoring, which has been a struggle for the Sabres, something that Botterill specifically addressed and specifically mentioned when he was acquiring Skinner. He's also healthy? Question mark. He's had some injury concerns in the past, which I think was a little bit of a question mark in acquiring him. But he's played 82 games in two out of the three previous seasons. In that middle season, he played 79. So two full seasons and almost a full season in the last three Maybe those injury concerns are behind him. We'll knock on wood on that one. Other good things about this trade. Skinner had a full no-movement clause that he waived to come to Buffalo. Now, this is closer to home from for him. I believe he's a Toronto-area native. He specifically referenced that he likes the young core at Buffalo and thinks Buffalo is an up-and-coming team and thinks that this would be a great place for him to play. That's awesome. That's a player, you know, it's not every day that a top six winger that one of the better players in the NHL openly discloses that Buffalo is a place he wanted to come, that makes the decision to come to Buffalo. That's a great thing. Now, there are rumors and what's been said and what hasn't been said about whether or not he was offered other deals. Skinner has said that the Buffalo option was the only deal that Carolina brought to him. That doesn't necessarily mean no one else was in on Skinner. It's just the only deal they brought him, and he took it. Um, This could be a huge win for Buffalo. Um, First of all, he's a UFA at the end of this year, so they need to sign him. If they sign him, this is a home run 
Grand Slam deal. They're locking down a proven NHL goal scorer for years to come. He's just 26 years old. If they can't sign him, if he decides he'd rather move on, then worst case scenario, you pitch him at the deadline for at least what you gave up for him. If he continues to be the player that he is at Buffalo, he might be worth another first round pick. And imagine the possibility that the Sabres walk into the 2019 draft with four first round picks. And I'm really starting to think that that's probably the most likely option we're gonna see with Jeff Skinner this year. I don't know that he necessarily plans to re-sign with the Sabres. It would be wonderful, as we talked about, but I'm thinking about how when he first showed up, the Buffalo media were all over him saying, like, well, have you talked about contracts? And he had literally been traded two hours before. The dude literally wasn't even in Buffalo yet, and they were asking him if he was going to sign a new contract when he got here. He said at the time, you know, I'm still just really excited to get to the season and get going, and that's totally understandable. I don't think he necessarily has plans to re-sign here. He might if he really likes it, if he thinks the team is still on the up later in this season, he might. But if I'm Jeff Skinner and I'm on the last year of my contract and I get the opportunity to play with Jack Eichel, in a contract year, that's a win for me. Jeff Skinner, contract year, plays with a playmaking, goal-scoring center. If Jack Eichel has a season he's had, if Jeff Skinner plays next to him, Jeff Skinner, if it's not by Buffalo, then by someone else, is going to get paid after this year if all goes well. So of course he wanted to go to Buffalo. Of course he wanted to play next to Jack Eichel in his contract year. If he continues to play with Jack Eichel after this season, slam dunk, home run, I don't know, other sports analogy, you pick it, it qualifies. Amazing deal for the Sabres. If he doesn't re-sign and they can pitch him at the deadline, they're going to still get a great deal. This was an amazing move by Jason Botterill. And in fact, if you com- if you think of it this way, combine the two moves. The Sabres gave up Cliff Poo, a second, a third, a fourth, and a sixth over the next two years for Jeff Skinner and Connor Sherry. And yeah, okay, Matt Hunwick. And they also kept all four of their first round picks over the next two years. So they grabbed two players to immediately upgrade their top six. One player who is a proven 30 goal scorer and you don't give up a single first round pick despite the fact that you have a plethora of those assets and despite the fact that you know Carolina brought up one of those picks in that trade. They must have and yet you still have all of them. That's some really solid GMing there, Mr. Botterill. You can take a bow. And then, after singing Botterill's praises for the last couple of trades, we're going to talk about a decision that really wasn't that difficult for him, that probably didn't require that much work. Drafting Rasmus Dahlin first overall in the 2018 NHL draft. 
There isn't too much to say about this draft that hasn't already been said. They've drafted a touted generational talent for the D-line. There have been a few clips from summer leagues and the development camp that have made me feel all the feelings. If this dude starts doing that to NHL defenders, there are going to be a lot more Sabres fans over the next few years. This kid can play. And this has been whispered quietly, but I kind of agree that if Darlene reaches the potential that people talk about with him, his presence on the team could be more important than Jack Eichel's. And that's a bold statement, but this guy could possibly be that good. And this could finally, finally be the beginning of a wonderful chapter in Sabres history. So moving on to part three of the show, I'm just going to talk through some possible starting lineups, and these are possible for so many reasons. We haven't even had camp yet. We don't know who's going to be up and who's going to be down in the organization. We don't even know where certain players are going to play, even those guaranteed NHL players. We don't know where they're going to end up in the lineup. So I'm going to run through a possible 12 offensemen. But there are so many question marks, which I'm going to talk about after I name them. So I'm just, I'm just going to rattle this out here. This is not necessarily what I think will be the top lineup on game day on October 4th. But I'm just going to run this out here, and then we'll talk about the questions. Top line, Skinner, Eichel, Reinhardt. Next line, Sherry, Middlestat, Ocposo. Third line, Sabaka, Berglund, Pominville. And bottom line, Wilson, Giergensen's. Tage Thompson. Now, bunch of questions. First, who plays top wing? Do you want Skinner and Eichel on the same line, bringing you a ton of goals from two players? Or if you consider Eichel your goal scoring center and Middlestat your playmaking center, do you then technically want to separate Eichel and Skinner and play Skinner with Middlestat? Now, will that make Skinner happy in that contract year if you're trying to convince him to stay, to get him to want to stay? Is he going to like playing with the rookie as opposed to playing with Jack Eichel? I don't know. But major question, left wing, who's your top line winger, Skinner or Sherry? I don't know. Decision to be made. Also, a minor question of, like, do you break up the Eichel-Reinhardt tandem and play Ocposo on the top line? I don't know either in that standpoint. Slightly less interesting conversation than Skinner-Sherry being the new guys, but it's a question that's going to have to be answered. Next question is, is Casey Middlestat a second-line center yet? Now, I think everyone in the Sabres organization and everyone around the league thinks very highly of Casey Middlestat. In fact, I believe in a lot of the rankings, Middlestat and Darlene are both in the top five in odds-on to win the Calder Trophy this year as rookies. He's a highly, highly thought-of prospect. But he is not going to fill the shoes of Ryan O'Reilly and some of the things that Ryan O'Reilly could do and could bring to the team in his rookie season. So my question is, is he going to be that second line center or is someone more of a veteran status like Berglund going to slot up there? He probably doesn't bring you as much as 
Middlestat does in terms of speed or offense, but he brings more of a body and more experience. I don't know. That'll be a question mark going into the season. Biggest question is, what does the bottom six look like? And this really just depends on who wins at camp. Right now, I've listed out Sabatka, Berglund, Pominville, Wilson, Zemgis, Girgensons, and Thompson. But what about Justin Bailey and Nick Baptiste? They've been highly thought of in the organization for a while. They both had kind of down years last year, although Nicky took a big jump during a long stint with the Sabres last season. Both of them now have to clear waivers to go down. So if they don't make it out of camp, there's going to be a big question mark about their future. Um, we've also got newcomers, Victor Olafson, Tage Thompson, Sean Malone, CJ Smith. Um, those last two guys have made one or two appearances, but they both had great seasons for the Americans last year. Can they make it out of camp? Then you've got some of the old guard, Johan Larsons, Giergensons, Evan Rodriguez had great stints last year in the bottom six. And then you've got a guy like Alex Nylander, who we'll talk about a little bit more in the future. Is he going to do something this year? Is this finally going to be his year that he cracks out, that he breaks down these rumors, that he's going to be a bust? There are a lot of bodies competing for that bottom six role. And the problem is not all of them can go down throughout the season. A lot of those guys are going to have to be waived. There's not quite enough room in the bottom six at the NHL for everyone who needs to be in the NHL this season which is making me possibly think that Botteril is probably working at least one more trade. It's probably not going to be a blockbuster, but it's probably just something to free up a little bit of room on the roster. I don't know if it's going to be Larson or Giergensons or Bailey or Baptiste, but somebody's probably going to have to go because if you end up just waving one of those guys Someone's probably going to take a punt and you'll lose them for nothing. So I think Botterill might be thinking at this point of making a move to free up some space in that regard. But that's the offense. On defense, I'm going to list off some possible lines. Again, major question marks that we'll talk about in a second. Darlene, Risto, McCabe, Bogosian, Scandella, Hunwick, Beaulieu as a seventh. Now, Question number one is, is Darlene a top-line defenseman to start this season? He has all of the potential in the world. I'm super excited to see him this season. But do you start him off giving him top-line minutes at the start of the NHL season? I don't know. Personally, I would rather feel that it's better to put him in an environment where he can start small and be successful I would rather not just start handing him the keys to the kingdom right off the bat, but give him an opportunity more of on the second line, less minutes, less pressure, keep him out of the sights of the media for a little bit before you move him up. I don't know. That's a question mark going into this season. Other question marks kind of just depend on whether or not players are going to be there. I mean, is Bogosian an NHL player anymore? He's had injury-ravaged seasons since he's been here. He has been okay in spurts when he can put 20 games together, but he's been really disappointing the last few seasons. Can he make it? Can he play? He's apparently playing Summer League this year, which is great to see. 
Um, hopefully he comes in healthy and fit and ready to go and can have a great season. I think he definitely has something to offer. I mean, in the NHL, right-handed defenseman at the Sabres right now, Ristolainen, Bogosian, Casey Nelson. I think that's it. So the Sabres could really use a healthy Bogosian this year, even if all he does is round out the, like, bottom pair defense, they could really use a healthy Bogosian this year, but he's a big question mark. Um, other big question mark, not in my starting lineup, was Brendan Gooley. Does he make it out of camp? I think, personally, he starts the year in Rochester and gets called up later in the season, but he is, behind Rasmus Dahlin, probably the best skating defenseman we have. Does that factor into any decision of whether or not to start him in the Sabres at the beginning of the season? My other question is, does Nathan Beaulieu even last this season as a Buffalo Sabre? Now, he, if you remember, last season with the expansion draft, the Sabres pitched a third-round pick to the Canadians because the Canadians couldn't protect him. Um, he had also kind of fallen out with some of the staff in Montreal, I believe, and there were some high hopes for him as a decent skater, someone who could possibly move the puck. He kind of really flattered to deceive throughout the season. Not the most highly thought of this year, and unfortunately for him, he's another lefty, which means right now, just at the NHL level, we're looking at Darlene, McCabe, Scandella, Hunwick, and Beaulieu, all lefties, haven't even counted Gooley yet who might come up. I think Beaulieu might get pitched. I don't think his value is that high. I don't think you're getting a third-round pick back for him. I do think if you waive him, he's going to get grabbed by somebody. Same thing with Bailey and Baptiste. Like Someone will take a punt on those guys just because of their speed. But does he last the season as a Sabre? I don't know. That's a question mark going into this season. Final question about the defense. Is Matt Hunwick nobody? Like, does he have a role to play in this organization? I don't know. He's only got two years on his contract, but he comes in and he's pretty much immediately a veteran presence on the team. Maybe kind of taking the role of Josh George's the last few seasons. Now, like, Bogosian's up there, Scandella's up there, but Hunwick's got the most years in the league, and I don't think that's worth nothing going into this season. He's a question mark as well. And finally, we come into our goaltending situation with Carter Hutton and Linus Allmark. And there are many questions related to these two. I mean, number one, does Allmark have it to be an NHL goalie? He's had a few exceptional seasons with the Rochester Americans. He was their, one of their AHL uh, all-star entries last year. Unfortunately, his plaudits were soured a little bit by a less than stellar playoff performance last year he'll be looking to turn things around from that does he have it to be an nhl goalie next question does carter hutton have it to be an nhl goalie and namely a starting nhl goalie so he's 32 at this point he does have a lot of experience but he has no experience as a number one he's always been a number two so he was brought in, I think, in this mindset that he would 
groom and help Allmark and be this guide and guy who can be the the number one while Allmark is phased in. The organization has a lot of faith in Linus Allmark. They have grabbed him. They have developed him. They have been, they have told him that he's going to be the guy. They need someone who's going to kind of bring him into the league, and that seems to be Carter Hutton. But while he's doing that, Carter Hutton also has to play. And so the question comes, like, how many games does each player get? Is it like a 60-40 split? Is it a 70-30 split? Um, what happens if Carter Hutton comes up and wins his first five games? Do you drop off? Do you drop him for Allmark? What happens if Carter Hutton comes in and loses the first five games? Now Allmark comes in and does poorly. I mean, there there are just many question marks. And like every team in the NHL, the overall success of the season might hinge on well how well these guys can play. If you don't have a goalie, and usually if you don't also have a backup goalie, you don't make it very far. You need a goalie to win you games. You need a goalie to keep you in games. And if this is a season where the Sabres are looking to make strides forwards towards a postseason, can this duo do it for them? I don't think that's the goal this season, but there are a lot of questions about who's going to play, how much are they going to play, and what's What's the goal for both of these players this season? I'm really excited that Carter Hutton is here. I think it was a great move by Botterill. I mean, if you think about it, it would have cost, I believe the minimum you had to pay Leonard to stay would have been around $4 million, I think. And they got Carter Hutton for three years, 2.75. And kind of similar to the Jeff Skinner situation, he wanted to cut he- to come here. Rumor was he left money on the table elsewhere to come to Buffalo. So Hutton is excited to be here. I'm really excited to see him play. I'm really excited to see Linus Allmark play at the NHL level. Um, Been watching him at the Amherst the last couple of seasons. I'm a season ticket holder, and he is just one of the most lovable characters you will ever find in sports. He's adorable. He's a great guy. He's a great presence in the locker room. I am incredibly excited to see him play at the NHL level. It's like one of those things when you're an Amherst season ticket holder that when the players get called up, you're kind of like a proud dad. Like you've watched them for a couple of years and you just think like, that's that's my kid. I've watched him for a while. And you're really excited to see him there. Linus, absolutely top of the list for one of the players I'm most excited to see play in the NHL this season. Moving on to part four, we're going to talk about some predictions for this season. And unfortunately, I do not see the Sabres making the playoffs this season. They are significantly improved from last season, but they're not quite there. I'm predicting my goal for the Sabres this year, my prediction for the Sabres this year, is that they will be fifth in the division. They are, I believe better than Montreal, and better than Detroit this season. Ottawa is a question mark because while they are a dumpster fire of an organization right now, they still currently, as of this moment, 
have three really strong players in Duchesne, Stone, and Eric Carlson. Any team in the league would want those players on their team as the player, maybe not as the person, Duchesne. But they massively underachieved last season, which is one of the reasons that they're in their current struggle. If those guys hit the ground running, they are all UFA at the end of this season, so Ottawa's doomed, but they could be okay. I don't know about Ottawa for sure, but I'm going to lightly pencil the Sabres in above them because if it all goes downhill, it will go downhill hard for Ottawa this season. While we are probably steps ahead of those three teams, we are definitely steps behind Tampa, Boston, and Toronto. Tampa is loaded. They have geared themselves up to be good now and good in the future. Boston is in a very good kick with a lot of excellent players. Toronto was already a good team, and they added one of, if not the best, center in the league. So I don't think we are beating them out in the standings anytime this year or probably in the next few years. Then there's a question mark of Florida. They're really good. I mean, they missed the playoffs by a point last season. By one point, they missed the playoffs last season. And then they went out and added Mike Hoffman. And so if we got any closer to them with our additions this offseason, they improved probably equally. Um, So I don't see us catching Florida this year. Now, granted, there's always, always the chance that any of the teams we've mentioned is going to have a down year. There could be a chance that towards the end of the season, we are fighting for one of those wild card spots. And you know what? I think that's got to be the goal for this season is be in the conversation for the playoffs by February. We don't need to be selling the future to try to make it come February, but be in the conversation for making the playoffs. That has to be a goal. Be close. It hasn't happened any time in the last four seasons. Be close. And to wrap up the show, I'm just going to put a few season labels, I'll call them, that I've put together. Um, Just some, I'm going to put some labels on some players for players who have the most to prove, players who are on the hottest seat, players who are the wild card of the season. Um, And so we'll we'll work our way down through a couple items. Um, First off is the most to prove. And it is really easy to just quickly say it's the whole team. When you finish bottom of the league, you have the most to prove when you come back in the NHL to prove that you are not a consistent performer at that level. It would be easy to do that, but I'm going to specifically talk about three players for the Sabres. And the reason I feel that these three players have the most to prove is that when it came time to talk about who was going to stay and who wasn't going to stay, Jack Eichel was obviously untouchable, but Sam Reinhart and Ristolainen would both have brought in a pretty penny in a trade, and they are still here. So I've identified Jack, Sam, and Rasmus as the players having the most to prove this year. They were kept, and now Ryan O'Reilly's gone. It is now your team. You are the core that has remained. You have the most to prove this season especially, I mean, I hate to lump more pressure on him, but Roar is gone now. Jack Eichel, this is your team. Whether or not they give you the C to put on your sweater, 
This is your team. You are the face of this franchise. I think Jack's got the most to prove this season. Up next is kind of similar. I'm going to talk about the hottest seat, and this isn't necessarily most to prove, but more of most at stake. Who, if it doesn't go well this season, stands to lose the most? And the person I have up first isn't a player, it's the coach, Phil Housley. Um, I've gotten into a couple conversations with a few people over the last season that if Phil Housley didn't have a prior affiliation with the Sabres, would he still be in the job? If Phil Housley was named Phil Smith, would Phil Smith be coaching the Sabres entering this season? And I don't know if he would. Um, Obviously, we love Phil Housley. Obviously, we know he has great potential as a coach. And obviously, last season was not all his fault. But when you finish bottom of the league, changes need to be made. And they weren't ready to point the finger at Phil Housley yet. But I question if things don't start well, I question how long they will continue to let it not go well before they start pointing a finger at Phil Housley. Um, How long will that last? How long will he be given? I don't know. I would imagine he gets a lot of time and a long leash to try to put it together, but Phil Housley, a lot of the things they talk about, he was that star stud defenseman. Now you've got a few star stud defensemen in this team. You are specifically kind of talked about as being really good for coaching those players. Now you have them. Now you have Rasmus Dahlin. Now you have Gooley coming up possibly full-time. Now you have, well, you've had Rasmus, Rasmus Ristolainen. But you have those players, if it doesn't kick off, in the near future, is Phil Housley on the chopping block? I don't know. Other hottest seat, and this this is a more of a minor one, um, but I have Jason Pominville down here just because he's on the last year of his contract. It hasn't gone great for him the last couple of seasons. He started off pretty hot this past season, but really tapered off. It's the last year of his contract, and I think it's really it's his last opportunity. He might probably, maybe, I don't know, he might get a contract with somebody next year, but I don't think the Sabres bring him back next year. I think Pominville is playing this season. I, th- I think, maybe, I don't know. If I'm Jason Pominville, I'm playing to be traded at the deadline this year because I want to go to a team where I can get one more chance to take a stab at a cup. Um, so I, ha- I have him on the hottest seat this year. Now, he's had a long, storied career. He has nothing to lose this season so much, but just there's a bit of pressure on him this season. Wild cards of the season, these are the players who I think could change the game out of nowhere um, that I think could they, they, they could do nothing for the, the big club all year or they could be players that absolutely change the game in Buffalo. And I've identified two guys from Sweden, Victor Olofsson and Lawrence Pilot. Um, Olofsson, seventh round pick from a few years ago, I believe 2014. He's 22, and he was the top goal-scoring player in the Swedish Hockey League last season. Do yourself a favor right now. 
drop this podcast and go and look up his season highlights with Frolunda in the SHL. Rasmus Dahlin actually specifically identified and said, he has the best shot I've ever seen, and you need to go watch this video. He has that slap shot where he almost like scoops the puck when he shoots it. It's incredible. This is a player that, whether it's in Buffalo or whether it's in Rochester, has a potential to make you feel the feelings with that shot. I think he starts in Rochester this year. We'll see what happens in camp, but who knows? I mean, we need more goals on the wing. Here is a player who can score goals from the wing. He's coming from the big ice. We'll see what he can do. But if he hits the ground running, he could be an incredible player, possible wild card for this season. I also have Lawrence Pilot down there. He was the SHL Defender of the Year. Again, maybe an Amherst to start the season, but who knows? I mean, he's kind of in the same boat as Victor Antipin last year. He could very well likely turn out just like Antipin from last year, but who knows? Possible wild card for the season. Then my third wild card is actually a, a well-known name. It's, it's Zach Bogosian, because we know that Zach Bogosian can be a good player if he can be on the ice for more than 20 games at a time. But when you're constantly having those lower body issues, you can't put it forward. Um, so he's a wild card of the season as well, especially being that right-hand D guy. If he can have a healthy season, he can be an excellent, basically, addition and new player for the Sabres this year. Um, biggest flings, obviously, just my... Two players that I'm just most looking forward to watching this year, Darlene and Middlestat. I mean, obviously, like we talked about, they're both super high on the Calder Trophy predictions for this season. Some of them have actually even ranked Casey Middlestat higher than Darlene. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I'm just incredibly excited to see what they can do at this level. And then I have a most needed off the ice label. And what I mean by this is that I'm looking at a player who they'll probably contribute on the ice for sure. In fact, we need them to contribute on the ice, but they there is a factor to this player that needs to be considered off the ice, and it's Carter Hutton. And the reason I've identified Carter Hutton for this role or this label is that, all right, He's probably the number one at the start of the season, although that's up for debate. Maybe he ends up playing less games than Linus Allmark this year, but Allmark is the guy. And if he's the guy, there is a chance that he's the guy at the Sabres for the next decade. And I think whether he is or whether he isn't has a lot to do with Carter Hutton and what Hutton has to give him, what Hutton has to teach him, what Hutton has to provide for him this season and going forward. I mean, Hutton's here for three years, signed a three-year contract. I think his ability to mentor Linus Allmark is going to be an increasingly big deal this season. And that just about wraps up our show for today. Thanks so much for stopping by and having a listen. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave us a five-star review and please subscribe via iTunes. I'm still waiting to get on Spotify because you need to have five shows before you can 
get your podcasts on Spotify. So right now you can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Um, We'd love it if you'd find us on Twitter as well. Give us a follow and give us a couple questions or concerns. You can find us at ICGAW, I-C-G-A-W. It can't get any worse. What do you guys think? Is the Ryan O'Reilly trade really what we needed to happen this season? Are the Sabres a playoff team? Hit us up and we'll talk about your questions and comments next week in a little mailbag opening. Speaking of next week, we'll be coming at you with an Amherst season preview um, that will follow a similar format to this one. We'll look at last season. We'll look at the new additions that have the biggest impact for the Rochester Americans this year. And we'll talk about possible predictions for what their season is going to look like. So find us on Twitter or drop us an email at ickgawpod at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns, anything you'd like us to talk about with the Rochester Americans, hit us up and we'll talk about your questions and comments next week. Keep those heads up, Sabres fans. It might be a long one this year, but remember, it can't get any worse. Dick into Oposo. Oposo hanging on to it back at the point. Oposo drops it off in the corner to Eichel. Eichel buzzing around. Eichel in the shot.